Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Food and Loathing, coming to you from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, during what is traditionally the most wonderful time of the year for restaurants, Uber drivers, strippers, <laughs> and anyone else who derives a significant portion of their income from drunken conventioneers. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, it's convention season in Las Vegas with the Consumer Electronics Show in our rearview mirror, the fancy food show just ahead of us, Woo-hoo! and the double tap of SHOT Show and World of Concrete mm-hmm. approaching quickly. And, um, you know, as the years of 2020 through 2022 reminded us quite starkly, convention season is also virus season. Oh, God. And our own engineer extraordinaire, Rich Johnson, has tested positive for the big one. I mean, the big one that you worry about this time of year. (laughs) COVID, of course. Uh, Have no fear. He is up to date on his shots and in touch with his doctors and all the things I'd recommend doing if you're traveling to Vegas (laughs) this time of year. But hey, that's your call, man. I'm I'm vaccinated. Y'all do what you want. Um, Rich, however, is doing just fine, but he is isolating himself so as not to put any more of those pesky COVID-19 viruses or viri or whatever the fuck. (laughs) into the air around other people smart man we love you we love him for that um and we especially because we're once again recording our podcast at dom demarco's pizza on west charleston (coughs) boulevard we love this place we love their patio it is outdoors but we don't want to be spreading any germs so rich is at home still Uh, he'll be doing this on the back end for it though and we love him um they've let us use this as a recurring home and we expect we'll be doing quite a bit of that because the food here is great the people are great the patio is beautiful and when i say we I'm referring, of course, to Las Vegas food writer, creator of the Wishbone and Vine food blog, admin for the Please Send Noodles cookbook-inspired Facebook cooking club, and general lady about town, (laughs) Ms. Samantha Gemini Stevens, who is one of our hosts and also handling mixing board duties today. That's right. And then the other part of we is me. Who am I? (laughs) Well... I mean, rather than wade into an existential crisis, I'll just say my name is Al Mancini. I've been writing about food professionally in Las Vegas for over 20 years for just about anyone who would pay me. And I left my job at the Las Vegas Review Journal about two and a half years ago to create a couple of projects, including the Neon Feast Restaurant Guide and this little podcast. Yeah, baby. So, um, Gemini, how are you doing today? I'm good. Loving the space, I right? am. I love being out on this patio. I love that it's protected from any annoying little windy things they've got a wonderful fireplace over there heaters if you're away from the fireplace it's all green around I just, us i just heard the space is um open up for their they're looking for somebody to book it for a super bowl party oh, which is funny because yeah. i've been talking super bowl all day today so um <laughs> and now i just found out that we you and i have some things to talk about too because i've been speaking to the people who are doing all the taste of the yeah. nfl events but but that's a few Let's weeks do off it. you know but for now um okay look we have a really great show lined up this week first of all we have an extended interview with two of the most influential chefs in las vegas and honestly, in the Western U.S., they um, parlayed their success on food TV into one of the first female-owned and operated restaurants on the Las Vegas Strip <laughs> when they opened Border yeah. Grill in Mandalay Bay, um, just when that resort opened, which I believe was 1998 or so. And they, about right. Yeah, they're preparing to bring their barbecue Mexicana concept to the Southwest Valley within the next couple of weeks. Woo! I caught up with them to discuss that while they were in town prepping for some football-related events. Of course. I, now, between now and that big game, <laughs> we're just going to be talking about it every That's week. That's right. You know. Um, so I have that coming up. A nice long conversation with them. That's great. And, you know, in addition to that, there's a new World Bagel Eating Championship that was crowned over the weekend. And Al was there to speak to him shortly after he was crowned. And we speak to Edio Tapas and Anima by Edio chef Oscar Amador about what he has planned for his sold-out pop-up at Double Zero Pie and Pub. But before we get to any of that, we'd like to start the show off by telling you about some of the places we've been dining. These are not formal reviews. They're just the kinds of conversations that all my foodie friends have every time we get together, (laughs) swapping stories about 
restaurants. And since Rich isn't here, um, I've invited Albert Scaliat, uh, owner of Dom DeMarco's, yes. over to our table to chat with us. Maybe tell us about um, where he's been eating out, because I always love to know where restaurant owners eat out Absolutely. when they're not, you know, on, when, when they're not in their own joints. So, Albert, welcome. Thanks for having us back. Thank you for having me here. Love to be here. Cool. So, um, look, before we get to where you've been eating, mm -hmm. you were just kind of telling me a bit about this great patio and the fact that you're offering it up. You're looking for somebody to rent it out for um, for the Super Bowl. So talk about having one badass yeah, Super Bowl do. party. Tell us about Tell it. us what you, what you can offer these folks. Well, here's the deal. This seats 50 comfortably. Uh, it's You could use it in the wintertime. It's heated and there's no breeze coming in. And you could use it in the summertime. It's air conditioned. So what I want to do is I want one group of 50 people. I'm, I'm hoping maybe a business owner will do it for his company or or a family that has a lot of friends and, and things. 50 people, here's the deal. It's $5,000. Uh, that's taxes and uh, tips included. No wow. tip, no, 5,000 all in. All food you could eat, all you could drink. Starts an hour before Super Bowl and ends when the final whistle of the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, maybe you had parties at home and you didn't like the mess. Have your party here. You'll love it. Uh, we'll bend over backwards to make sure you really enjoy Damn. it. Damn. What kind of food inv in included in that? And what kind of beverages included with okay, that? Okay. It's going to be uh, pizza, pasta, wings, uh, garlic knots, salads. And the, the booze is going to be uh, any kind of uh, well drinks, any beer, uh, most wines that are on the menu. Not the, not the real high-priced wines. But uh, anything cool. you want, basically. Wow. That's amazing. So if people are interested, who do they reach out to? How do they get in touch? Just just call Dom DeMarco's, ask for me, Albert, or uh, my general manager, Alex. Okay, that sounds great. Well, thanks for sharing that. I, I wish I had 50 friends. <laughs> Some days I wish I had five friends. Um well, I've been at house parties, believe me, where they had like 50 people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are more popular I, people than me. I know that. <laughs> I know someone who throws house parties they, like they have that. A lot more this, this woman over here throws house parties with hundreds of people, yes. so she's very popular. <laughs> so I get it. Um, so, Albert, for the top of the show, we'd like to talk about where we've been dining. Rich is always hitting us with some bullshit fast food. I'm hoping you've got someplace better than that. So the best one or two restaurants you've hit in the past oh, week or so. Can I name four or five? I don't okay. want to leave any out. Let's roll through them quick. <laughs> But yes, we'll please do. Quickly, yeah. and they're all five-star in my opinion. Okay. So the way I mention them doesn't mean that one's better than the other. Right. I like the Tuscany Grill on Eastern. Okay. They have great Italian food and, and, the, and the best roast beef. Okay. I like the Italian-American club. I love the food. I love the entertainment. I love the I love the the food. The entertainment. It's just fantastic. Okay, let's talk about that because now here's the deal. I'm gonna admit I've never been to the Italian American Club. One of the few there. restaurants that's on Neon Feast that I haven't personally been to, but yeah. it was voted on by tons of people and the folks that I hired to write my mm. review of it had been there, so I wasn't worried about it. It, it was very well loved, but. Um, you know, there's a little bit of, we were wondering in Neon Feast, for a while it was on our best Italian restaurants list. It didn't get a lot of votes for best Italian. It tended to get more votes for best old Vegas vibe, yeah. best old school, best atmosphere, best place for dinner and, that's and what a I show. Hear about it. You know, so it. most people tell me the food is pe the food is solid. You're not going to complain, but you don't go there for earth-shattering food. But you go there for an amazing experience. Now, you, as a man who runs an Italian restaurant, how close to that? I know they're your friends, but it, is it more about the vibe than the food, or is well, the food I, up there? I, I think the food's right up there with it. I think it's a combination of everything. They they got great food, great entertainment, plenty of parking, and and you think you're back in 1950 in Brooklyn. Right. It's fantastic. I love it. I, if it, I wish it was closer. I go every Wednesday night. If it was closer, I'd go through three nights a week. Uh, and that's over on the other side of the town. So yeah, it's east. all the way on uh, East Sahara. East Sahara, yeah. Like you go past the, the porno clubs and everything. Yeah, you just so, keep yeah. going, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Okay, so I interrupted you. I think you hit two or three, but you had a few more that you wanted to mention? Well, I got Ferraro's. I've been going to Ferraro's since the 80s. And uh, every meal I ever had there was, uh, you know, 10 star or higher. And, and uh, Nino, Nemo makes the best amata de chana. I'm a big amata de chana fan. Uh, cool. 
Yeah, I love Ferraris. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we're big fans. They've got another one of their Taste and Learn events coming up soon. I saw that, yes. And I forget the winery. We know we talked about it last week. Yeah. But um, yeah, they're always great. And I'm told that their wine list, if you like Italian wine, it's one of the best in the world. (laughs) It's really, really great. They really take the time and care to curate something that goes not just well with the food, but to introduce you to something new. I love Ferraros. Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're big fans of that as well. We should go over there one night. Okay, when the weather gets a little nicer, let's go over there and smoke some cigars. I love that. All three of On us. their patio. On their yes. patio. Yeah, yeah. patio. And anytime you want to go to the Italian Cup, you'll be my guest, wherever you want to go. Sounds great. I, I will definitely it. make that In plan. In fact, on February the 9th, it's Frankie Shinta's birthday, and he's entertaining there. And I got a couple of tables. You're invited if Ooh. you want to Oh, that sounds so lovely. Gonna, yeah, I'm going to check my calendar as soon as we yeah. get out of here. Well, great. Well, thank you for sharing, Albert. We appreciate it. Thank you for hosting us. This is going to be a relatively wham-bam, thank you, ma'am, kind of show back here for us today. <laughs> but, men, I love hearing where you are dining. So that's so incredibly cool. So thank you. And I thank you for having your podcast here. I appreciate it immensely. I love your show. Thank oh, you. Thank appreciate you so it. much. So, Jim, as, yeah. he, as he heads out of here, where have you been eating? Oh my gosh, I've been, I feel like a little bit of everywhere. Um, so I got a message from, uh, speaking of pizza and, and, and all of that, I got a message from Pizza Iolo Extraordinaire himself, Mike Vacnine, that we just had to try the new Carpaccio. I think I uh, responded to something on social media with a drool face or something like that. And so I made a reservation immediately for John and myself. We invited a friend to come along. And because, I mean, that place is so great for sharing. So to start off, of course, we had that carpaccio. It was the thinnest carpaccio I have seen in ages. It was painted on oh like by Carpaccio God, the Painter. Oh, my God. It really did feel that. Yeah, by Carpaccio the Painter. I, I mean, love that's, that. I mean, that's what the name comes from, isn't it? I have is no it? idea, to be I, quite honest. I mean, I know the name comes from the painter, Carpaccio. Sure. Um, and I think I've the idea is heard, that because it's so thin. Yeah, yeah, I've heard two explanations. One, just because he painted in a lot of reds, that it just reminded uh, people of, of his style. But the other one was that it's yeah. almost as if it's painted on there because well, the meat I is mean, so thin. Well, I mean, I hope it is. Because, I mean, this was beautifully put together like somebody painted it. Um, it was Wagyu beef. It had dollops of kosho aioli, which is a Japanese pepper. It had pickled enoki mushrooms, a sesame yuzu aioli, and these perfectly crunchy, herby, seaweed focaccia croutons that were mm. so brown that they weren't burnt. They weren't overcooked, but they just had that great, super dry crunch to them some micro herbs, some sea salt, and they had some whiskey barreled aged fish sauce and some yuzu marmalade drizzle. Like, oh my God, I could eat it every day. I could wear it like a Lady Gaga outfit. That's how much I like it. I I love (laughs) going into these restaurants where the chefs who just are are such artists that they, 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 these tiny little touches that they just obsess on, you know, for weeks and months to get things done right. Just for things that most people would just view as garnish, right? right? Yeah, they just grab, stick their fork in it and go for it. Um, No, it was absolutely Absolutely beautiful. I'll be posting photos on on socials, of course. Um, and we didn't stop there. We ordered the current pickle selection, which included pears and apples, carrots, beets, onions, a couple of other little things. Um, I mean, what a bite. The sweetness in the fruit was all but gone, but the texture was fantastic. And I love that they rotate their pickles a lot to be different. Uh, they A lot of it is seasonal, and it's always interesting. It's never the same pickle every couple of weeks or so. They change it out. Um, we also had Chef Mike's schiacciata, similar to focaccia, but layered up with truffled cheeses, honey, pistachios, just more and more umami deliciousness mm. on top of everything else. And then with that, we had their fall salad, more citrus, really lovely, and the burrata and speck. Finally, we get to pizza. Mm. Took us a while, but we got there. (laughs) We ordered the fungi pizza, fungi being the mushrooms, which is rich and delicious and full of garlic butter and charred green onions and chives, all kinds of stuff. It was fabulous. This is a different visit because you had a lot of these just last week. You were telling me about a lot of these dishes at a visit, right? Um, Yeah, we had a... So you've been going back a lot. We, yeah, we... (laughs) Double zero. (laughs) Um, And then we got the short rib pizza, which, holy hell... I mean, we remember we had the short rib pizza here at Dom DeMarco's. Totally different pizzas, so it's not a competition. This one was rich. Stick to your ribs in the best way. Uh, The one here at Dom DeMarco's. The one at Double Zero, it's a revelation in and of itself because it was so different. It's full of orange chimichurri and chives and mandarin crisps and tangerine oil and parmesan and pistachios. And the richness of the short rib is cut beautifully by all of this citrus. 
flavors I would never have put together, and it was beautiful on the pizza. Cool. So that was Friday night. Um, we also had both desserts, and while we enjoyed the tiramisu, it was the butterscotch budino that stole the show. And the entire meal was, as our friend put it, life-ruining, because that's all she wants now. She said she wants to forget the whole evening just so she can go back and be blown away all over again for the first time. We love double zero. <laughs> you guys rock. Um, so Saturday, we wanted to go and watch some sports. It's something new. We were going to go down to the Durango. And I happened to see on social media that this place called General Admission opened up on Friday. Mm -hmm. Never heard of it. I think it's a small chain. So we decided to pop in and um, sat at the bar, and it was good. Now, this is in Uncommons. It's in Uncommons all the way down so if you're going in by the parking and the food hall, mm -hmm. it is north of the food hall, closer to like more office spaces. Okay. Um, and that back parking area they kind of have. Right. Um, and so, and I almost missed it because it's part of the facade of the office building. But I just happened to see in big letters where it said general admission. There's no big, bright neon signage or anything like That's that. That's the whole problem with Uncommons. And if anybody from Uncommons <laughs> is listening right? to me, no, seriously, people, yeah. I, 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 you know what? I'm just going to piss Do people it. off right Do now. It. Put up better fucking signage. <laughs> people drive by, and God knows, like, for months we were stuck in shitty traffic because of Durango, and right? we talked all about it. And you drive by Uncommons, and there's nothing saying that this no. is a fucking delicious place to eat. Right, and there's so many places that are not the food hall that don't have a lot of outdoor signage. You've got to go through all these different yeah. parts to get there. And you look off to the other side, and there is the beautiful curb appeal of the Durango Resort, yeah. which is so well, ah. even though it's set back so much it further, is. you look over there and you go, I want to fucking eat in that Durango right? Resort. I'm eating there, <laughs> goddammit. Get me in there. Get me and in there. And you fucking go over. And meanwhile, on the other, and, and that's fine, because great places to eat at Durango. Absolutely. But meanwhile, Uncommons, no fucking curb appeal for that entire goddamn <laughs> Project put up big bright signs yeah. that say we're delicious. Right. I don't know what they should look like. I'm not an advertising <laughs> motherfucker. But you hire people. You spend a lot of money. Hire somebody right. to figure out how to make curb appeal. There's yeah. my rant. Yeah, I felt a little lost, but we found it. Um, like I said, we sat at the bar. It was good. Great service. Good food. Um, started out with the vegetable Frito Misto, or at least that's what I ordered. Um, basically, you know, fried veg, which is really well done, uh, light and crispy, basically zucchini fries. Uh, not a lot of variety in the vegetables, but it was still tasty. Um, but before that, they accidentally brought us a tuna, I can never say this three times fast, tuna crudo tostada. And since it was already made, we happily dug in. The tuna was pounded super thin, again, going carpaccio style here, and had some wonderful herbs, a really light touch of truffle aioli dots all over the place, and all served on the thinnest, super thin cracker I've ever seen that I was still able to pick up with stuff on it. Okay, now, so here, here's what I will say just hearing you talk about that dish. Yeah. I very frequently talk about how there are so many Nobu, uh, Nobu dishes that have been so imitated yep. by a million people yep. that they've almost become a generic dishes at this point. Yeah. I don't say it quite as often about Chef Morimoto. Right. But Chef Morimoto, one of the greatest chef, great chefs, love him, his tuna pizza. That's okay. what you're fucking describing there. Yes, <laughs> lots of people do it. Lots of people do a spin on it, and I'm yeah. sure they're great, but... It's his. Hearing you talk about it, <laughs> my head is just going Morimoto, Morimoto, All right. Morimoto. Now I'm going to So be... now I'm taking you for the original we at are. the bar at Morimoto. We're totally going. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was super good. And like I said, the cracker is just that. I mean, as delicious as everything else was, the tuna was really fresh. That cracker just shocked the hell out of me because I went to pick it up and I expected it to fall apart and it didn't. And it was barely there. So mm. kudos for that. Nice crunch against everything else. John also ordered a California roll, which he really enjoyed. Not a whole lot of rice, which I like. I don't like them when they're so full of rice you can't eat much. Um, and then we decided to get the pork belly sliders. Delicious, well-balanced, super tender, a little bit of slaw on top. Definitely going back for more sports and more food to check it out some. So, again, that is general admission. It's in Uncommons, northern end of the Northern end, thing. yep. For those who don't remember, Uncommons, as my little tirade just said, <laughs> right across the street from the new Durango Resort. Yep. And lots of great places to Absolutely. eat Absolutely. Um, and then we rounded out the weekend at Red Dwarf. I love the Sunday surf brunch. Um it, you know, it's its own thing, and I love it. There was surf music with no lyrics, which made it as loud as it can get in that little bar. Mm -hmm. It 
really set kind of this tone. Everybody was just kind of bopping around to the music. Um, so three of us went, three pizzas were ordered. Did you have the Las Vegas Weekly's best breakfast pizza award winner or whatever the fuck they <laughs> I don't remember it. which one won, but we did have two brunch pizzas, yes. <laughs> okay. uh, we had the groovy gravy train, which is kind of like biscuits and gravy on a Detroit-style pizza. Um, no cheese, which I actually liked because I didn't want it to be super, super heavy, or maybe there was cheese and it was just so light I missed it. Um, topped with sausage gravy and sunny-side-up eggs. Sorry, I had to swallow there. The breakfast Sammy looks like two pizzas and it she ordered it with sausage and so it comes on these two pizza looking things in one container if you put it together it probably would have been this, a sandwich as big as your head mm-hmm. um one of them was cheese and sausage and all the the meaty breakfasty parts of that um and then on the t- what they called the top is where you get the arugula and the tomato and the eggs and things like that but if you were to try and pick that thing up and eat it oh my god <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's possible, but it was absolutely delicious. And then John went off the regular menu and got Mitza Mitza, which is a pizza covered in sausage, pepperoni, their glazed ham. Um, and that one's on the everyday menu. So you don't have to wait for Sundays for that one. Um, and, you know, I mean, they just do it so well. Crispy edges, fluffy cr- um, crust, caramelized cheese, um, just fabulous. And Sarah Ryan, bartender extraordinaire, let me taste her winter cocktail called Lavender Haze. It's inspired, she said, by a favorite boba place she loves in Chicago. It was rich and sweet with this taro milk reduction and a cream cheese foam. Wow. Oh, my God. Fantastic. So get over to Red Dwarf. Cool. You know, you, t- you talked about that breakfast pizza, the one that reminds you of breakfast and gravy. Yeah. It's interesting. I think um, a few weeks ago I mentioned maybe that I had gone to um, to the front yard for a Golden Knights Oh, right. Game. Yeah. And I don't know if I talked about it, but they do a, a breakfast flatbread over there right that the very first time i got it it ended up reminding me of biscuits and gravy because the pizza dough was almost like a biscuits and gravy kind of biscuit right that they'd they'd done that and then they did put their gravy on it they put all the breakfast stuff on it and then i went back i think i was there with our friends leanne and john not that long ago and i said okay let's try this again let's see if it is what (laughs) i remember it to be and i ordered it and it was the same fucking thing but the dough, and I hope somebody's listening from um, from, <laughs> from Front Alice Yard. They can yard. tell me yeah, whether I got this right. But the thing there, this time around, it reminded me more of an English muffin. Oh, interesting. Right? Like a, yeah. a Thomas's English muffin okay. dough on the pizza this time, as opposed to that, that biscuit yeah. thing, but still with the gravy. So, um, again, just throwing yeah, it out there because we're out. shooting the shit, man. <laughs> um, worth checking out. More biscuits and gravy pizza. <laughs> yeah. So now to where I've been recently. Yeah. Um, a couple of great meals since last we gathered. Let's start with Naxos Taverna at the Red Rock Resort. You may recall last week we told you about the death of their chef, yeah. Mark Andelbrandt. And um, once again, I want to send out my love to his family and his friends as they try to cope with that. Um, I also played you a cut last week of the chef talking about why he loved Naxos, and that put me in the mood to dine there again. And my meal was excellent. We had some oysters. There were blue points from the East Coast. I forget what we had from the West Coast. We did a mix of three of their spreads um, with those amazing hot, fresh oh. pitas that they bring out with them. Once again, I want to urge people to try the muhamara when they yes. do those spreads. My absolute favorite, made with roasted red peppers, walnuts, pomegranate, I think molasses in there. It's fucking great. Uh, their artichoke hearts were excellent, um, and I am really falling in love with those um, katyfi-wrapped prawns in the delicate strings yes. of an almost phyllo-like dough, super crunchy. Yes. These are turning into a crave dish for me, <laughs> like the kind of dish that I see myself driving wherever I have to drive just to get it wherever I am, just right? you know, because I'm really falling in love with that dish. This time around, we also sampled the dessert menu. A lot of great sweets there. Not enough time to go deep into each of them. But let me just get your mind spinning by just saying this. I'm waiting for this. Baklava cheesecake. Yes. I saw it on social media and I messaged a girlfriend and we're going next week (laughs) based on that. A baklava style (laughs) crust on the bottom that seemed to be soaked in honey. A standard-ish cheesecake filling with a sprinkling of pistachio on top. So good. So creative. Really just a drop in the bucket of what the pastry team's doing over there. So, um, you know, look, while I know we all go out and we eat Greek and Mediterranean when we want to be healthy, (laughs) don't skip the dessert. That's just my my plan. Amen. Also over the week, 
weekend, you and your husband and your friend yeah. met Sue and I at the Hookah Lounge in Paymans. Um, I don't know about you, but I had a blast. That was great. Before you got there, we had some bites. We did the flaming Saganaki cheese that I've been eating at Paymans locations for over 20 years. I still love it. Um, they also do tandoori, which yeah. for a Middle Eastern restaurant, you're not expecting tandoori, but we did some really, really good tandoori chicken and some garlic fries and some hookah. Yeah, we did. And uh, the the bonus hookahs that you that you can add <laughs> flashing light to your hookah and you can add fucking you know weird oh, I yeah. mean this one had the smoke rings blowing it, around it, it and the, the lasers <laughs> that felt like um they were using I don't know we just had a blast yeah. um Full disclosure, we are early birds, and we left yep. before the DJ really got the party started, but I had a lot of fun over there. I man. really did. I love the space. I love how everybody makes you feel. They've got a really wide list of cocktails, they've got hookah, uh, just a little bit of something for everything. We were so full, we couldn't order food, so I'm glad that you guys did. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, it, yeah, you got to just hang out over there and it's i love that it's so close to the house yeah well that's good <laughs> payments especially if you're on the west side definitely make sure you spend some time over there um we caught a golden knights game on saturday we were running a little too late to make my favorite pre-game stop at bavette's mm. um i'd love to get that goat cheese and yeah but um didn't do that we were running late so we grabbed some sandwiches from the chef truck by roy Choi and john favreau yes i did the cuban which they have a different name for over there unless you want the vegetarian one i didn't i wanted the meat one yep. um so i had that uh sue had a grilled cheese we shared some ham and cheese croquettes it was a fantastic pre-game snack and I, look i've got to say the, the T-Mobile offerings have just not been as good this year as they no. were in previous seasons. There are some up on the second floor, uh, the second level, yeah. that, um, that I, I think I like more. I believe Border Grill's got a couple outposts up there, mm-hmm. a Plancha Mama's up there. Actually, they do have Plancha Mama's down on the, down, the downstairs, and I think they have um, Barbecue Mexicana maybe up on I the second floor. I think I've seen floor. Bar- yeah. Um, so there are some good ones. I like Forte Pizza. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are Definitely, I like the fact that um, the barbecue guys that I like, Roland Smoke Barbecue, yep. are in there. But just as a general rule, man, a lot of the people I really love to have left there. So I've been doing a lot more eating pre gaming, um, you know, before I get in there. Um, and just keep that Roy Choi chef truck in mind. Absolutely. You know, they've got picnic tables set out where after you get the food of the truck inside um, Park MGM, you could just go and sit down and eat. It's just off the casino floor in the back, kind of by where the pool is in the conference okay. center. So, you know, take a look for it. It's not up by Best Friend, it's in the back by the conference center. Yeah. So, Good place to pregame. Finally, I had lunch yesterday at 1228 Main, and I am still loving Wolfgang Puck's Arts District spot. I had the pastrami and melted Gruyere, which is a favorite of mine. And, of course, I went home with bread and pastries. <laughs> the place is now full service, and my server was fantastic. That's great. And that's about it for me this week. Well, you know, coming up in the news, professional eating, a new Michael Mina restaurant, and more. But first, Al sat down with chefs Susan Finnegar and Mary Sue Milliken of Border Grill to discuss the upcoming opening of their first First venture in the Las Vegas suburbs. This is Food and Loading. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. So I'm here at Border Grill in Mandalay Bay with um, the two hot tamales, as you may know them. Susan Feniger, Mary Sue Milliken, um, the two chefs behind this amazing restaurant, Border Grill. How are you doing today, ladies? Very excited to be back in Vegas, really. Uh, we're really thrilled, you know. Being here at Mandalay Bay has been an amazing experience for the last 20 plus years. Wow, 20 plus years. Yeah. Wow. yeah. 1999, we opened with the resort. So I think that's a, like a, might be, no, it's not a record because Wolfgang's been in business forever here, but yeah. it's a pretty good long stretch. It is for a place in one spot that hasn't moved, right? Because Chef Puck has moved, the original Spago. And um, yeah, you were up there. I'd say maybe Emerald may have been here around the same time or before you. Yeah, I don't know if Emerald, I think it was Wolf was, I think the only sort of wow. celebrity chef that was here. And 
I think when we first came, boy, our first year, talk about a big learning curve. <laughs> you know, we were like, well, I mean, first of all, we were at the far end of the hotel. We had no idea what to expect. I think Mary Sue and I learned a ton in year one. <laughs> this was not Santa Monica. <laughs> no, Vegas is its own animal. And you two, more than any other chefs, or as much as any other chefs, such as Chef Puck and you know Chef Degassi and maybe a few others, you've helped shape what it has become. So what it is today is very much part of, um, of what you accomplished. What do you think looking around at that? Well, you know, honestly, I think what we from the very beginning felt like for our team to know is that people that are coming here, you have to treat them as though they're your neighbors that are coming back every time they come to Vegas. So it's, they may not live here, but you want them to come back every single trip that they make. So I think we really wanted to put out the message to our team. These are not just tourists. These are people that are your regulars. So treat them just like that. And, and we have a ton of regulars that come when they come, if it's once a year, three times a year. So it's very cool. I love that Mandalay Bay is right near the airport. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of, I, when I walk around and touch tables, people will say, you're my first stop before I go to my hotel. I come straight here to eat at Border Grill. But I think, you know, as you were saying, Vegas has just exploded on the culinary scene since we arrived. And I, I, I love that fact. I love the fact that, you know, eating and dining and experiencing different kinds of cuisines and cultures through food has become as much the entertainment in Vegas as as gambling, as, you know, shows. It's really become a huge component when, you know, when I was growing up and coming to Vegas when I was a you know, young kid or a teenager, it was just all about the buffets and gambling, and that was pretty much it. But now... And the other great thing about the culinary scene here in Vegas is that all the chefs are very committed to high quality and excellence, but also to a community amongst ourselves of just, you know, supportiveness. And really, we have a great, great community of chefs who all give it everything they have, but also are, are very supportive of each other. Um, now, I'm glad, and I could sit here and I could talk to you and ask you so many questions for hours and hours and hours about what you've learned and how the scene has changed here in Vegas, but we're here to talk about something very specific today. It's super exciting to me because you are a couple of those chefs that have been on my list for 20 plus years where I'm like, when are you coming out to the Burbs? When are you coming out to my neighborhood? And now you have some news. You're going out to the Burbs. So who wants to tell me the news? <laughs> well, we're very excited to be opening Barbecue Mexicana out in on the west side, yeah. right? Spring Hill? Well, Spring right? Valley. We were trying to decide what kind of neighborhood we were yeah. settling on about Spring Valley. It's on Sunset Road, though. Right. And it's right across from the bend, right? And uncommon. So we're very jazzed about doing a quick casual, our first really quick casual off-premise. We have Barbecue Mexicana here at Mandalay Bay mm -hmm. and at the Raiders Stadium and at T-Mobile and at the baseball stadium. But this is very, we've never done a drive-through where we have what we think is a very exciting menu, but will be very accessible to the neighborhoods. So that is our first, you know, first place we've decided to do it. Wow. And it, yeah. Well, being a girl from Detroit, um, the Motor City, having a drive-through <laughs> is like a, the ultimate restaurant to open. So I'm super excited about that, about people, you know, all the workers in Vegas who work on the Strip and don't have time to cook, you know, the, the idea of them being able to pull through and uh, load up on, you know, burn-in burritos and <laughs> tofu bowls and, you know, BLT wraps, um, just it, to take home to their family, to have something super delicious and, you know, somewhat healthy, I think, is is actually exciting for us. Um, now, okay, so you mentioned a few of my favorite dishes. You meant those, uh, mentioned those burn-in burritos, and I do want to talk about that. But let's talk about Barbecue Mexicana, because, of course, you are very well known to people from Border Grill. You've had Border Grills at several locations in Las Vegas, the most long-lasting being the one that we're in right now here at Mandalay Bay. Um, but Barbecue Mexicana is not new to Las Vegas. It was a concept that was born here, unlike some of your other concepts, which came from California first. Um, right. So what are the roots of Barbecue Mexicana? 
I mean, I think when Mike Miner was our executive chef here, he loved barbecue. He had a barbecue truck, and he started to play around with getting us, pushing us to get a smoker and start to play around with that. And so when Mike was here, we collaborated with Mike and came up with the first barbecue Mexicana. And those burnt and brisket burritos that we smoke for like 14 hours are addictive. It's really addictive. And I think Mike helped us collaborate on that. And we've now taken it, I think, to that next level. And I think it's um, what I love about it, which is one of the things we loved about the Border Grill and Socolow trucks, is that it's affordable, it's accessible. You know, whether you have a lot of money or you don't have a lot of money, it's quick, it's very casual. And so I think the concept to start that out in the neighborhoods will be, we hope, will be a big hit. Well, for a lot of people, Mexican food, and I, I believe this is a tragedy in many ways, but for a lot of people, Mexican food always means inexpensive, quick, yeah. casual, right? And you grew up eating, you know, just Mexican food always fast. So a lot of people have a hard time adjusting to the elevated, more formal, um, fine dining, pushing the boundary of Mexican that you do at other restaurants. So right. this kind of takes it back to what people, what many people expect of Mexican. But, you know, you're right about that. I think people are also getting more and more uh, attuned to where they spend their money, how they spend it, what kind of quality they're getting. And so the one thing you can always count on from Border Grill or Barbecue Mexicana, no matter how cheap or expensive the food is, we are sourcing from, you know, places that we respect and that we know are good for the planet and good for our bodies. So all the proteins are raised without any antibiotics and we are very careful to make sure and when we can to, to use regenerative products. And, and I think, you know, there's no question, I think we will be a little bit pricier than some of the, you know, potentially quick casual places that you are talking about and refer to. But I think it's exactly for the reason that Mary Sue says. We want it to be more accessible and, you know, and, and yes, less expensive than coming into a sit-down restaurant. But the most important thing for us is that the food tastes really fantastic. And, of course, that we're using products that are sustainable. Um, so I think, you know, we're excited about bringing that concept, our first one of these, uh, over to the south, to the what? To the well, west? Well, it's just the southwest. We yeah, can call it just the southwest. Okay, yes. good. Cool. Yeah, um, southwest Las Vegas, that, that does it. Or close to the bend. People know what the bend is, out by Ikea. Yeah, exactly. Across from Ikea. That's what our, <laughs> that's what Yancey says, our regional manager. Cool. Um, when you think about, I guess ever since Mike Miner first started talking about this and then I started speaking to you about this concept, um, there's always, in the back of my mind, it's sort of natural. This idea of American, of, of USA, United States of American barbecue and smoking, mixing with the culture just south of that border of Mexican cuisine. But do they go naturally together and how so? Well, you know, I think barbecue in general when you think about it and the use of chilies and the use of you know brown sugar or some sort of sweetener that i mean that is so traditional mexico so we're you know i think we do have to be careful about saying this is not american barbecue this is certainly got those elements to it with a barbecue sauce that has the the influence from the Mexican chilies and that's and then the finish of the product is definitely sort of our take on Mexico but it is an interesting thing that you're saying because I think back in the very beginning when Mary Sue and I first started doing border grills we were so specific of that it had to be authentic exactly everything Mexican now like even with Socolo in Santa Monica we're taking the best of Southern California and mixing it with our all of our education and excitement about the Mexican kitchen. And I think with Barbecue Mexicana, it has that a lot of that same element. Take all the exciting things of Mexico and sort of some of the traditional sort of way in which you do barbecue here in the country. And when you really think about it, barbecue probably came from Mexico originally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it hit Texas and morphed a little bit. But right. basically, 
asada, everything on the grill, long, slow cooking, marinating. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very much Mexican techniques and ideas, and especially when you add the chilies, which is so integral it, to barbecue. Is that smoking process native to Mexico? Is there a lot of traditional native smoked meats in Mexico? Definitely. Yeah, th- without a doubt. And, you know, meat was a, a relatively uh, recent, like three or four hundred years ago, thing to Mexico, where they, they mostly had rabbits and turkeys, but never cows and pigs. And so that part is new, but the long, slow smoking over wood mesquite and avocado all those kind of woods are definitely part of the cuisine in mexico i mean think about you know doing cochinita pabil it's you know underground you know you've got firewood whatever it might be and it's just slow cooked and smoking in there so when you open that up with the banana leaves you have this very smoky slow cooked flavor which is very much what barbecue is the slow cooking process So for those of us in Las Vegas who have been following this from the beginning, those burnt end end burritos, that was the dish. We all fell in love with it a decade ago, and we've been following it. And I know if I go right across the street, right across the hallway here, uh, I can get a burnt end burrito at Barbecue Mexicana in Mandalay Bay. I've been at some arenas or games where I think it was referred to as a brisket burrito on the menu. Am I remembering that wrong or correctly? And if so, is it the same dish, just under a different name? Yes, it is. It's the, I mean, that is, we're using brisket and it's slow cooked. Um, I think maybe we renamed it there in order to be able to have people understand what it was. Um, but it's the exact same dish. Exact same okay. dish. Cool. Yeah. And I am curious because obviously the, for this, may not know that burn ends are from the brisket yeah. and then you burn them and some barbecue places for example that sell the moist end of the brisket and the, the lean end of the brisket can't make burn ends because that a lot of that comes from the trim so yeah. i'm assuming that's yeah. a similar process it's exactly and that's and it's got a lot of cracked black pepper on the outside yeah. so you get some heat and then the crispiness there i mean it's for me it is like that kind of dish that really is addictive you just want that and so that is a dish yeah. whenever it, it's I'm like not. crack man i mean you're just like i need it sometimes uh, i remember oh, gosh a couple five years ago i t- i brought a burn at, i brought a, a whole brisket actually to a really high-end dinner with nancy silverton and jonathan waxman and i had a course and my course was just you know i think it, i brought it for the past apps and then i had another course but I put that little chunk of brisket on top of, you know, a little toast and with some coleslaw. And I remember all the chefs coming over and they kept coming back and coming back and coming back. And like, Can I have a little more of that brisket? Can I have another chunk of that? It was really like, wow. <laughs> you know, one of the things I'm excited about at Barbecue Mexicana there is that our plan is, is that we hope to be doing a lot of catering from that kitchen so that someone could get a whole brisket if they wanted. Someone could get, you know, two dozen burritos or get the, all the makings for the burrito. So that's, I think, something that we think there's a great opportunity out there for people to do catering from that kitchen. Um, so let's talk about the actual, you talked about it having a drive-through, but is it going to be counter service, grab-and-go? Will you be able to dine in? How? What's the setup of the restaurant going to be like? You will be able to dine in and also drive through. So, and we will have a liquor license, beer and wine. Okay. So, you can. And I think one cocktail. Oh, and one cocktail. That's right. Because one cocktail in Nevada, you've got the best laws (laughs) on the planet. (laughs) You can have one one cocktail and beer and wine. So we only need one cocktail, really, because margaritas do the trick. But basically, you can hang out and eat in the restaurant. There's good parking there. There's great becoming because living in L.A., everything's about the parking. (laughs) But yeah, you can there's a hotel nearby and, you know, a couple other restaurants. There's plenty of parking. So it's easy to stay in and and have a nice warm meal. Oh, yeah. And my my house is right on the way, like right there. And and there's I got to say, there's a crumble cookie, I think, between you and my house. (laughs) So I think I know what I'm having for dessert. <laughs> yeah, and you can and you can drive through, which I think for us is a very new concept. I yeah. mean, small little restaurants we've had, but we've never had a drive through. So this is exciting for us to explore this. Like, okay, how many people 
drive through pick up food to take it home for dinner. And it sounds like, according to our team here, that lots of people do that here. So uh, I'm the big picture person. And, you know, this concept that has been incubating for 10 years from, you know, Mike's vision in the beginning to morphing here and there, but also being so popular at Mandalay Bay and at all the, at the Allegiant Stadium and the ballpark and T-Mobile. I think our hope, what we need to do is proof of concept. So we need to make sure that this place is busy, that we're, we're hitting it. You know, we'll make adjustments to whatever the concept needs to be super successful. And the hope is that we can open more of them. I mean, that was my question the minute I heard you say drive through because I know some friends who develop franchise ideas, and then basically it's like, oh, wait, half the franchisees want to drive through. we got to make sure we could do that. So it sounds like that's playing into your thought process as well. Well, it is. We're not spring chickens anymore, and <laughs> you might have well, noticed. You <laughs> I certainly am. But we're hoping that this is a vehicle that our team can run with and be, you know, eventually part owners and it can be their sort of baby. And and we think that the concept's strong enough and we want to really, you know, this is our first adventure into this whole genre. And I think um, Vegas is the best place to do it because we have, we love our, we love working here. We love the workforce, the the. The workforce here is so professional and well-trained and great compared to other restaurants that we operate in, you know, different parts of Southern California. Yeah, that's, that's been incredible. When we first came here 20, however many years ago, five, five years ago, many people said, oh, you know, the workforce that we have found the opposite. We have found the workforce here is so incredible they're excited passionate about food um you know just hospitality they care about this industry and you know we're we're open we just opened in palm springs a month and a half ago a fine dining restaurant called alice b and you know we're doing great but we can't find enough great staff Mm -hmm. and the same in la happens to us a lot we're we're hindered We're, we're the only the only problem with growth is we can't find enough great people but vegas is really been good to us in that yeah. respect i'm not a big fan of la in general but i'm also i am a big fan of new york and i'll say the one thing i don't think in new york or la i ever got a waiter who wanted to be a waiter for their life they all wanted to be well, in show business yeah. right yeah, yeah. well new i new york too yeah new york yeah. has a pretty Absolutely. pretty right pretty grim workforce as far as it goes front of the house although i've been you know this is off that i mean with alice b which just opened like 25 days ago you know yeah it's very exciting it's part of this project called living out which is its high-end lgbtq um, apartment complex and it's open to the public and it's very cool lance velasquez is our executive chef he's wonderful it's not mexican which is very cool (laughs) so it's something you know we haven't done not Mexican for a long time. So, but I, you know, we have actually, I think, gotten an amazing staff there, which is, which is surprising to us because again, same thing. People have said, you know, that it's very hard to get great people there, but we get so many compliments about the front of the house staff in just a month, which is unusual for the beginning of a restaurant. So, so it's been, um, I think, you know, I know part of it comes from, I think, we have always felt that the staff is so important and how you treat the staff, whether it's a dishwasher or the CEO, that everybody is critical and important. And I think we've always had a great reputation of treating our staff really respectfully. And I think that then, you know, translates to the customer. Um, to get back quickly to Barbecue Mexicana, because yeah. I know we are on a time crunch a little bit, um, how wide will the menu be? Will it be what we've seen at ballparks and that's it, or how are you expanding it? No, I think it'll be bigger than the ballparks. Um, it'll be very similar to what you can get here at the Mandalay Bay version across the hall from Border Grill. Um, and we plan to actually even expand further like i said we are very responsive to our customer base so we're gonna we're gonna listen to what people want and you know uh, i love mike and his original vision but it wasn't healthy enough for me (laughs) i felt like we just needed to add more vegetables and more uh just clean crisp 
things to go with the fatty meat. <laughs> so um, that that's part of how the, the concept morphed here at Mandalay Bay. But I think in addition, we're going to be talking. We want a product that people want to eat once a week or even more. You know, something that's so accessible and affordable and so delicious and so satisfying. Yes. So, so we will definitely be expanding the menu to to make sure we have the variety that a whole family could you know get all their different tastes satisfied and and we're in addition like here and at the stadiums we don't have tacos we are expanding that menu to include tacos from using those same things the smoked chicken the tofu the burnt and so that you know if you didn't want a burrito you didn't want a bowl or you didn't want a salad with one of those toppings you could have it in a taco format so we're in that way it's expanding and i think just as we grow and mary sue said we will continue to see like what is it that people are really wanting but it'll for sure be bigger than the stadiums um, okay, last question for you. What's going on? What's new here at Border Grill at Mandalay? Because this resort itself is on fire as people gear up for the Super Bowl and everything else. So we have Chef Puck has a new concept coming in. I'm looking at Orno's or- or- right down the street. Um, there's a-, a remodel going on at Kumi. And you guys are here. You've been here since day one, but you're still very of the moment. You don't just rest on your laurels. So I need to know what's new here. Well, we're, I mean... Speaking of remodel, we are also in the process of going, working with the team here from Mandalay Bay on what our remodel is going to be. And I think that's going to be pretty dramatic here. Hopefully over the next year that will happen, year and a half or so. Maybe it'll be two, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> given yeah, the way Vegas. things go. But there, So that for sure is happening. And then, you know, our chef team here, so many of them have worked for us for a long time. And we're always pushing them, I think, sending ideas about different ingredients that they can incorporate into the menu. I mean, right now they've been playing around with all these like really interesting infused tortillas. And I mean, I just tasted the, for the Al Pastor taco, the, the, the masa that's been infused with fresh pineapple puree, pineapple juice, a little bit of tahine and chili, and it's absolutely delicious. So they've been doing like with wheat la coche and infusing tortillas. Um, and our wine list, our whole wine list has shifted dramatically. All wines from either Baja or Guanajuato or... But Hermosillo. We, we basically took a couple trips down to um, Valle de Guadalupe and got so excited about the wines. But then all over Mexico, there's other wine regions. So we decided to just really honor that uh, effort. And, you know, a lot of European winemakers have come over to Mexico and are, are making, you know, bringing their expertise, but also with the, the Mexican terroir, it's getting to be really quite delicious. And and we also do uh, micro brews from south of the border. So I think it's um, that's kind of a new twist that we've we've added and, and I, I love. Like right now it's vegan month, which it is, you know, always during this time of the year. And, you know, we're doing some really cool specials right now that are, I think, that really push the team to think about that. Not only just for this month, but then dishes that they come up with that then we think these should be on the menu so that we offer more of those to more selections to people that are vegan. So they're doing this, you know, they're doing this mushroom tamale, which, you know, has got the duxelle that's folded into the masa itself. There. And there's also a really cool um, vegan bone marrow. which is uh, a a whole parsnip sliced lengthwise and scooped out and then a beautiful puree made rich with you know vegan cheese and goat or yeah vegan butter and then we then we add put that back in and and brulee it and it's delicious i'm gonna say i'm gonna get your vegan bone marrow i'm gonna take the um vegan foie gras that they're doing at crossroads kitchen right and we'll just do a a carnivore's vegan feast yeah and then you know we're doing a really delicious uh tres leche for dessert and it's with coconut milk and oat milk um, and I forget what the third milk is, but, you know, a really delicious one. And it uses, um, what's the name of the spirit that's going oh, yeah. in? Yeah, Liquor 43. Yeah, liquor 40. okay. So it has, it has coffee and Liquor 43 infused in the milks. And then we serve it uh, with a carafe of the milk that gets poured tableside. So you get, like, 
tres leche for me has to be just like a sponge <laughs> holding every drop of that right. liquid in. And so it's always important to add some at the ta- table. If you, if you, you know, we don't really trust customers to do their own. So we, <laughs> we like our servers we to do it. We don't trust them to do anything. Exactly. We want to serve. That's one of the things we always say to the chefs. Serve it exactly how you want them to eat it. Because they're not chefs necessarily. So they're not pulling together all the flavors. So it just has to be that when they cut it, they don't have a choice. They just eat it the way you want. <laughs> and I've never had any complaints yeah. to, to, that I wanted how the chef. I always say, people come to me, they say, I order a lamb or a duck, and they'll be yeah. like, how do you like it? I'm like, how does the chef recommend it? Yeah. You send it to me the way the chef wants it. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on everything you have going on. We're super excited to see Barbecue Mexicana, and um, I know I got a feeling I'm going to see you around here during Super Bowl and some other events. So thanks so much for your time. Absolutely. So great to see you, and thanks for having us. Yeah, wonderful to be here, Al. Thank you. The news is next. This is Food and Loathing. It's time for the news, and let's get right into it. There's a new world bagel eating champion. Oh, my God. I was at the contest over the weekend, which was held at Siegel's Bagel Mania, right next to the Las Vegas Convention Center in the shadow of the brand spanking new Fountain Blue. I believe there were 10 or 11 contestants. I saw former Las Vegas resident Mickey Sudo, as well as her husband, both of whom I've interviewed in the past. Always great to see them again. Last year's record-breaking winner, Jeffrey Esper was there. They all had eight minutes to eat as many seagulls bagels with cream cheese as they could shove down their (laughs) gullets. And honestly, if you think that's a gross way of describing it, well, take a look at the video on Neon Feast's TikTok page and tell me that ain't the accurate way to describe it. In the end, the world's number one ranked competitive eater, Joey Chestnut, consumed 15 bagels with cream cheese in eight minutes to take the belt. How is that possible? And it wasn't a record. But it was enough for the win. But no, last year's winner was had got a bit more. But um, this was new to Joey. Joey had never eaten it. And maybe it was just what, something in the air because last year's winner didn't get more than he did last year either. But um, Joey thinks he'll do a little better next year. Anyway, right after they handed him the belt, I jumped up on stage and spoke to him. Here's what Joey Chestnut told me. For like years and years, my first contest of the year is usually a bad one. So it's nice to start off the year with a win. And uh, dude, and a new food that I've never done before. And I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really happy. And it, it, it's awesome. What makes bagel eating different than other competitions? Oh my God! Well, anytime you're doing a, it, food, uh, food that you haven't done before is hard. Your, your body, uh, you got to find a technique, the fastest technique to get it down. And the, the seagull bagels, they, these are real bagels. They're boiled and baked. They're delicious. But uh, they, it's hard to get them. Like I live in Indiana. You can't get a real New York bagel in Indiana. And uh, so, so it, it's uh, it, next year. I'm, I'm sure my numbers will go up because I know exactly what I'm what I got into, and I'll, I'll, I'll find a way to uh, practice for it. But uh, dude, it's uh, it, it's awesome. Michael Mina's Orla is finally open for business at Mandalay Bay. And, you know, I could read you the press release, which just came out today. It's on my (laughs) social media pages if you want to read that shit there. But instead, I'm just going to play a bit from my interview with Michael Mina a few weeks ago in which he told me about the restaurant. You know, it's basically Mediterranean and highlighting Greece and, you know, Eastern Mediterranean. And so it's the food I grew up on. And so I grew up in a household in which my mom you know, my father was I, I, Egyptian, so my father was from Alexandria and my mother was from Cairo. But in Alexandria, a lot of the food had so much Greek influence from, you know, from when uh, Alexander the Great, when the invasion happened. And so what I grew up eating, so much of it was Greek that I thought was Egyptian and Egyptian food and Middle Eastern food. And, and so it's really the food that I love to cook. And I'm more excited about this restaurant than I've ever been about a restaurant that I've opened because it really is taking what I, you know, what I grew up with, what I have um, taken my whole life, my, the flavors that I like, love, and and being able to elevate them in a way in which they're presented beautifully. It's going to be mostly be, you know, a shared experience in the sense that I think people will eat that way because that's the way people eat a lot of times. But you can order individually, but I think it's really going to be. A, f- a fun, great vibe, really like what I love. It's throw a great party and, and have amazing food. And I feel like, you know, I have been um, 
just really obsessed with this menu more than I have been with any restaurant that I've opened in since probably, you know, the Michael Mina restaurant in, at the Westin. And so I'm very excited to show this one off to everyone. If you don't already have tickets for Chef Oscar Amador's pop-up takeover of Double Zero Pie and Pub on Wednesday, January 31st, well, you are out of luck because it's sold out. It is. For those who are lucky enough to get tickets or for those who um, just want the world's worst case of FOMO, <laughs> I spoke to Chef Oscar about his plans for the event. Chef, congratulations on a sold-out pop-up that you're going to be doing at Double Zero Pie and Pub. Yeah, thank you very much. We are very, very excited about this event, uh, doing with uh, my friend, uh, Chef Michael. Yeah. yeah. You're known for Spanish food. Now you're known for Italian food. Now you're going into a pizza place. So which of those influences do you bring into the pizza? Well, I think we bring in both. Uh, over anyway, we don't do pizza, but but uh, we, we, we work with a bunch of Italian ingredients, right? And over EDO, we, were more, we are more more creative. and no, So we will, we will try to bring some of the EDO flair with the anima ingredients. In a, in a pizza, you know. <laughs> That's a lot to mix together, man. And a lesser chef, I'd be worried, but you, I'm not. You have any idea what direction you want to go with the menu? Yeah, we actually the menu is gonna have like an antipasto uh, that's gonna be like a kind of a wild mushroom carbonara with a fresh herb pesto, and of course we're gonna use manchego cheese, and, uh, and then the pizza is gonna go with a guayu pastrami, uh, and then it's gonna have flor di latte cheese, that is the cheese actually they use over over double zero pizza. And then some other surprises, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it sounds like fun. How'd you get invited? How'd you get asked to do that with Michael Vagnin? Well, I have a good relation with Michael and uh, with the corporate chef, uh, Emily Brubaker from Lab Group. So we are close friends, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to support them, and, you know, in the beginning of the business. So, yeah. Have you ever made pizza before? I made pizza before. I did uh, the Miracle Ice Spring Mountain with a uh, dollar. Mm-hmm. And then I might have a pizza out. <laughs> okay. If you're wondering what's going on with the new larger Esther's Kitchen, take a look at the Review Journal website where Jonathan Wright got a peek inside the new space. I don't want to ruin anything for you, but make it a point to, um, to read what Jonathan has to say there. <laughs> um, another... Great local restaurateur, in this case a pair of restaurateurs, um, preparing to open in the Burbs. It is the Morton Group, and that is Michael Morton and Jenna Morton. Michael, of course, is the co-founder of the Nine Group, the son of the legendary Arnie Morton of Morton Steakhouse, brother of Hard Rock founder Harry Morton, (laughs) who along with his wife Jenna created one steak in Virgin Las Vegas and crushing the MGM Grand, La Cave in Wynn Las Vegas. And their rep tells me they are working on an Italian concept adjacent to Southern Highlands, which will open early next winter. That sounds great. Um, yeah, I have one more piece of news, and this just came through as I was coming here. My wife saw this online, and I apparently it's not brand new news, um, but it's the first that I've heard about it. Yeah. And a public memorial was placed um, for Chantel Keller, the wife of Hubert Keller. And I'm just reading this from the, um, the Palm Southwest Mortuaries website. Chantel Keller, age 71, of Las Vegas. A restaurateur on sabbatical passed away on Saturday, December 9th, 2023, in Las Vegas. Um, not a lot more details given there. I have yeah. to say, Chantal was, I mean, a beautiful woman inside and out. An incredible person. I love, always love hanging out with Hubert and Chantal. Um, she was so great. She always, like, grabbed my wife and said, like, let's go out and have a smoke, you know. And <laughs> If, um, if if Sue said, oh, I'm, I'm trying to quit, it was always, oh, but I'm French, you know, so <laughs> you can do it with me. And just so many beautiful memories of hanging out with them at their home, at their restaurants, um, out at other people's restaurants. Yeah. Just great people. Always been very supportive of my career. And honestly, man, I had to wipe a tear away from my eye. My yeah. wife was crying when she called me to tell me this. I had to wipe a tear away from my eye when I came in here. And I just want to send as much love as I possibly can um, out to to Hubert and his friends and family. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm going to... That's a hard to follow up. Yeah, um, sorry. I should no, share that okay. for the very end. That's okay. Um, I apologize. Um, yeah, I mean, very quickly, every time I ran into them or went to an event at which they were, um, you know, either participating or, or that he was cooking, um, 
you know, just the nicest people. So yeah, just love and, and respect to everybody out there. And um, yeah. yeah. Uh, one more thing I'll throw out there. The Eater year-end surveys are out where they basically asked a bunch of food writers like, oh, what's right. your favorite? <laughs> what's, what trend do you hate? What do you do that? And I'm in a bunch of them. So go on Eater and check them out. Go you check know what them trends out. pissed me off this year, last year, whatever. <laughs> um, what my favorite openings are, all that. That's over there at Eater. Yeah. So let's send some love to them as well. And so, hey, I don't know if any of you are KNPR listeners. I am all the time and it just happened to be today which i thought was appropriate they were talking about um how people are up in arms about uh resort fees and this and that so for locals i've got some good news resorts world is offering locals 20 percent discounts sundays through thursdays through may of 2024 at the following food and beverage locations i'll be quick Barzazu, Brezza, Crossroads, Doghouse, Fuhu, Genting Palace, Juniors, Kusanori, Mulberries, Redtail, Viva, and Wally's. Just bring your valid Nevada ID. That is Sunday through Thursday through the month of May. Just got to be a local and you save 20% off all for your food and beverage. It pays to be a local. It does. And, you know, I just want to throw out quickly, I think there's an article out about it already, but I spoke briefly this morning to Joe Mescaglione of Shanghai Taste. Oh, yeah. I saw. He's expanding, right? He's expanding. They. He's. Uh, I saw it on a social media post and I stopped by his restaurant about 9 a.m. this morning because <laughs> he was kind enough to give me some noodles for a supper club dish I'm doing oh, tonight. Cool. And because I don't know how to make Chinese noodles. Oh. <laughs> I can do Italian no. pasta, but I don't know how to make any Chinese noodles. Uh, so anyway, we are playing an interview for an upcoming episode. I uh, just wanted to throw it out there. He's expanding to the Southwest, which is going to be great. He thinks that's going to be in May. And also, let me know that they're expanding outside of Nevada into Dallas. Yeah, and I believe there may be an article on the RJ about that I think, as well. Yep, I, think I think there's Wright one out there. So, but, um, but you got it on your but, own. So. Yeah, I just, so awesome. we didn't have a chance for an interview this morning, but it was a quick chat, and I wanted to share that. Um, you know, and that's about it for this week. I want to say thanks to Susan Finnegar, Mary Sue Milliken, Michael Mina, Oscar Amador, Joey Chestnut, Albert Scalia uh, yes. for sitting with us today. Yeah, and thank you guys all for listening. On Gemini Man, on behalf of Rich <laughs> Johnson at home, whom we love, who's, who's getting healthy, I'm Al Mancini. Thanks for listening. Always stay hungry, people.